Hello and welcome to Monkey Business, a podcast about the mind. I'm Rosalind Palmer, your host, and I'm a rapid transformational hypnotherapist, clinical hypnotherapist and coach. For 30 years, I've been steeped in the world of NLP and learning about what makes people tick. My background is a business background. I ran, I created, I sold an award-winning PR company in the 90s. I learned a lot about business. I also learned a lot about mindset and I learned the hard way about burnout. Having the right mindset in business is arguably the number one predictor of whether your business will succeed or fail. What's more, your business can succeed, mine did, but you might fail as a human being. So quieting your mind is a key to enjoying the business journey, coming back from setbacks, enjoying the successes without letting them completely change you, and also creating a balanced life for yourself outside of the business. This is a podcast for you to learn from the successes and failures of others who have tamed their monkey mind or sometimes allowed their chimp to take over. It will give you insights into how they've used their mindset for success and help you navigate your life and achieve better business outcomes. So without further ado, welcome to Monkey Business. I'm Rosalind Palmer and you are most welcome. Hello, Janie. Hi, love to chat to you. Yeah, you too. We've worked together in the past. It's been my privilege to do so. And Janie is a fantastic broadcaster on BBC Radio 2 and UK Health Radio. Yeah. And I am a member of a fantastic community she uh, runs and a podcast as well, that is Alcohol Free Life and the Alcohol Free Community. And now, Janie, you have a book. Uh, on the same I do, title, I believe. I do. Shall you? I hold it up if anyone's Please watching? Yay, there we go. It's Happy. quite exciting when you first get your book in your hand. It's, it's I know. probably thinking, oh, come on, but I, it only arrived yesterday. <laughs> Did it really? Did yeah, it really? Two, two days ago, I got my my copies. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, it's really nice. It's, I mean, the ebook came out in January, but... Um, yeah, the main paperback um, just a couple of days ago. So, yeah, happy, healthy, sober, ditch the booze and take control of your life. Lovely. And you've got four other books, is it? I have, yeah. Well, I've written five books in the past, um, all on holistic living. Uh, I've written one book on around kind of PR and marketing called You Are the Brand. Um, but my other books are all on um, various different aspects of, uh, of living holistically, really. Because I also had your book many years ago. I mean, I, I don't know when that came out, but The Imperfectly, Imperfectly Natural, Natural Woman. Woman. Yeah. When, when yeah, was that, that was, published? That was the first book. And that was, um, I, I know exactly, because my daughter was a, a, literally just born. Never try and put a book out and have a baby at the same time. It's like two babies. Um, so it's, that was 15 years ago, bizarrely. It seems incredible. Um, I mean, I often joke that I was, uh, you know, ahead of my time because I was sort of, 
talking about coconut oil and kale before they had their own publicists, you know. <laughs> so yeah. I was talking about a lot of this stuff when not many people were. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then I wrote uh, Imperfectly Natural Baby and Toddler and Home. And then later um, I did a book for Hay House um, called Look Great Naturally Without Ditching the Lipstick. So, yeah, that's the kind of writing career. Well, I'm glad to see we've both got our lovely lipstick on today. <laughs> Yeah, 15 years ago, you're right. I mean, I I came up, as you know, I was immersed in that world from the 80s. I actually launched, I don't know if you know this, the Green Consumer Guide. Oh, did um, you? Cool. Yeah, because I was at Lynn Frank's at the time, and that was my account. So, Julia Elkington, and we launched the Green Consumer Guide. And at the time, we'd all go to Cranks for lunch, because uh, our office was um, near Marble Arch. And I remember my mum just going, mung beans? You know, what, <laughs> what's all this stuff about mung beans? And, and yeah, it just it did seem really out on a limb then. So I'm sure even 15 years ago, you were a trailblazer. Mm. Yeah, there was an element of that. I mean, when the book first came out, it literally did nothing, like nothing. It was nowhere. Nobody was interested. And it was my first book. And I just remember thinking... I'm just not, I'm not having this. I am not having this. This is my life's work in this book. <laughs> and I just at least want a few people to be able to read it. And um, so I basically hustled, you know, myself. Uh, the publisher had paid PR. Um, we didn't get a single, a single booking or a single line in any newspaper anywhere. And I just thought, I'm, no, I'm, no, just no. Um, so I, I, I did it myself, basically. And I got myself an interview with Johnny Walker. And, oh, um, yeah, and I'm, I'm always very grateful to him because he he was just sort of genuinely interested in, well, d- does what we put on our skin make a difference? You know, what we wash our clothes in, does that make a difference? If we're having, you know, if we're all being blasted with electromagnetic frequencies the whole time, and what about what we eat? So we had this fantastic discussion for... Um, you know, an hour or so on the radio. And um, and then uh, it was the next morning, the publisher is ringing me and saying, do, do you realise what's happened? Oh, no. Do you know, it's shot to number one on Amazon um, overnight. And that was back in the day when it was really hard to get an Amazon yeah. number one. Um, and, I, and, I, and I'd knocked the Da Vinci Code off the top spot. So, <laughs> so, so I think that was something to be proud about. Um, but we were, everyone was in shock. It's like, what? What, what are you talking about? It's bizarre. Um, but obviously there was an interest and I, I genuinely believe it's because I was fortunate enough to be given <laughs> some from somewhere that title, Imperfectly Natural. And that was the key because I wasn't trying to say, listen, listen to me holier than thou. I get everything right. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very open about the fact that none of us get everything right, but we can do the bits we can. Um, so, yes, I am very passionate about holistic living. Um, but I'm also realistic and, um, you know, and I accept that uh, we all do the bits we can when it feels like the right time. So um, so I think that was what resonated with that first book. Well, and the others, hopefully, was that I um, bring a much more realistic approach, which which can fit your lifestyle, hopefully not be too expensive, because I can't stand that concept that you can yeah. only be healthy if you've got loads of money. It's exactly. not true. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can be forgiven for thinking that if you only ever follow, you know, your kind of Gwyneth Paltrow's who, you know, there isn't a pot of cream under 300 quid kind of thing. Don't quote me on that. But you know what I mean? It's, I do it's, know what you mean. It, it's yeah. a perception, isn't it, that organic food is expensive. Yes. And if you've got to have natural creams and they've got to cost a fortune. It isn't mm. true. My books are full of, um, of DIY recipes. You know, I actually don't have to spend anything. It's true. Um 
in the 90s when I was probably earning, you know, pretty big money in, in that PR world, I'd go into Selfridges and, you know, come out with a pot of Yves Lom or, you know, Erno Laszlo. I remember that I, I can remember the brands and it was like, well, they must be good because they're so expensive. You know, yeah. I was like, they must be good. Um, and then years later, when I, I lived in the Bahamas, I was putting coconut oil and olive oil okay. on my skin and, and rubbing my thighs with sand on the beach, you know, and it was yeah. in, because we couldn't get any thing and so I literally did have to go back but you've already given me a couple of fantastic glimpses which are absolutely important for this topic that we're talking about which is really your monkey mind or if you like your mindset so you sound like you've been a pioneer in quite a lot of ways uh, business probably broadcasting certainly your publishing what has been that internal dialogue I mean I heard you say I'm not having this I'm not having the book Mm. not found by anybody but what's been your internal dialogue that's really kept you going and pushed you through um well I think it's interesting because you you might imagine that I you know I had a um an easy start as it were but I I certainly didn't um I, I I I had to forge everything, you know, myself, my, my parents, um, you know, didn't, had no ambition. I mean, I mean, really literally no ambition at all. Um, so I would have been, if it were left to them, you know, I, I probably wouldn't never have left my the small town in Nottingham that I'm from. And, um, uh, you know, they, they, their kind of feeling was one of let's stay safe. You know, there's, mm. there's a factory at the end of the road that you can work at. Let's stay safe. A very, um, very sort of uh, small mentality, really. Um, and I think I just knew early on, very early on, that wasn't going to be enough for me. And I've always been fascinated in the whole nature versus nurture thing, you know, and I don't know the definitive, but I do just know that for me, I wanted something more. I absolutely knew I wanted something more. I didn't even know exactly what it was. Um, I, I, I was very into performance from an early age, showing off, you know, you might want to call it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like showing off. I like dancing and singing and all of that stuff. So, um, I think I think what changed I, I was because of my upbringing I suppose uh, I was I was a funny mix of confidence on the one hand um, but actually incredibly insecure extremely mm. insecure um, and yet somehow I had enough drive to get me started so I, I was able to get myself into uh, uni I went to Middlesex Uni and did uh, performance arts and that's what changed me really I was able to see a whole different world of course um, and then when it came to to getting work you know um, I started off as a singer um, I did lots in the pop pop world um, and I mean, it was actually really tough when I think back, um, but I didn't have a safety net, you see. Mm. I've often found that quite interesting when I look back. And it really affects my parenting as well, because, you know, you hear of people who just constantly um, give their kids money and they give, you know, allowances Mm. and massive, great big amounts of money. And there's one little bit of me that's constantly saying, I there's no way I'd be where I am now if I just had it delivered to me on a plate. I just wouldn't. Um, you found really, that grit. I really had to find that um, determination to, and and there was nobody looking out for me, nobody at all. So I had to do it myself. So I was a I was a grafter. You know, I always made sure I had. I was always working one way or another. Um, but I went after what I wanted. Um, 
I didn't always get it, obviously. You know, I remember lots of times when I was between tours, I'd been working, you know, maybe with some, a big, a big band, maybe touring with, you know, whoever. Um, and then I'd get back and I'd be, you know, there in my flat, you know. With, <laughs> so you'd get back from this fabulously glamorous tour and, you you know, you come back to your flat and all that you've got is cold baked beans in the fridge. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> very glamorous. Well, oh. the same when I worked at Lynn Frank's. My second day was we launched Swatch Watches on the Orient Express and then I went back to my house sharing gold screen. <laughs> yeah, you know. exactly. Same deal and somebody had probably eaten my food out the fridge. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you and I have a lot of incredible similarities. I'm from Nottingham too. I come from a background where people didn't live that life. I also went to Middlesex. Mm. Um, but I only the other day you and I both were talking on social media and both saying that we were extroverted introverts and mm. yet I will always say I'm not an extrovert because I did an English literature degree and we spent three years in really horrible dark rooms reading books whereas performing arts would naturally mm. make me feel that you know you were very much that extrovert mm. did you feel often that you were pushing through and you had a mask that really pushed you out there um well the whole extrovert introvert thing I don't know I'm not sure where I fit on that to be honest I think I am absolutely extroverted um I I did one of those Myers-Briggs courses years ago yeah. where they work out what you what you are and I was off the scale of extroversion off the scale um but what's interesting is since I ditched the booze I have discovered um, a, a new side of me that I didn't know existed. And partly it's that I've identified that I am what we now know is called a highly sensitive person. I didn't mm. know that that was a thing. I had no idea. Um, but I'm absolutely that without any shadow of a doubt. And, and, and I think that something of that links a little bit to the introversion, only in the sense that, um, well, Actually, I don't know if it is that or if it's just simply that I am now able to be with myself. Yeah. Whereas before I couldn't, I couldn't even have a bath without chatting to somebody the whole way through. So I wasn't comfortable to sit with myself. What the hell? Um, you know, that was way too scary. Um, and now I can be with myself. I'm happy in my own company now. Um, I'm able to like myself a bit more. Um, so that's what I mean, really, when I say um, that extroversion, introversion thing. And why did you ditch the booze then? What 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 prompted that journey? Was that an internal dialogue you were having with yourself? Yeah, very much so. Um, I, um, I I didn't ever have a rock bottom moment, and I think it's really important to stress that I, um, you know, the book that I've written is 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 not aimed at people who are absolutely at rock bottom and need alcohol services and rehab. That's that is a small percentage of people who are clinically dependent. But I was never in that position. I was always fully functioning barely ever had a hangover really because my tolerance was quite high um i was just uh in inverted commas normal drinker we now know the term is gray area drinkers and of course in in the uk we've been brainwashed into thinking that there are two types of drinkers there's those at rock bottom and then there's everybody else and they're perfectly okay and that's what kept me stuck for years because i clearly wasn't at rock bottom but i wasn't okay i was waking up pretty much every day at 3 a.m um heart racing with a voice a literally a voice in my head you know I now know it's called the addictive voice um you know uh well in fact that one wasn't that one was the conscience but my conscience voice my inner talk would say to me at 3 a.m this has to stop mm. this is not 
this is not okay with who you are. You're writing books on holistic living. You're talking to people about teaching chemicals. You care about your health. Look at what, you, you know, just all of this stuff was coming at me. This isn't okay. And then by six o'clock the next evening, the addictive voice would come in. You know, the wine witch would say to me, oh my God, you've had such a busy day. You deserve a drink. Mm. Go get yourself a drink girl you know your kids are small you've got something to look after them you can feel grown up go have a nice drink and that went on for years years and years and years and I was stuck I was literally caught in the alcohol trap it's a trap mm. and you know we now know the term is gray area drinkers and there are many 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 of them um, and uh, and it's not until you can catch sight of of this the possibility that life might be better without alcohol um, that you can do something about it. And so, yeah, three and a half years ago, I knew something had to change. Um, but I, I was very stubborn and I, I didn't want to feel like my life was over and I was going to be boring and miserable and, you know, all, all the... Clichés. All the clichés. Mm. Alcohol is so, is so clever. The marketing is so clever. You know, everything we think we can't possibly be sexy or fun or attractive or confident. Interestingly enough, we can't also relax either or sleep. <laughs> you know, amazing how it does everything all at once, allegedly. Um, but the associations are so strong. It's the social glue that sticks everything together. Um, you know, certainly in this country, it's that sort of bind that goes through everything, that glue. Um, and I couldn't imagine life without it. I just couldn't. And I and I had that real strong sense of, well, poor me, you know, why, why can't I just have one like everybody else, for goodness sake? Of course, it isn't everyone else. You just think it is. Um, but uh, when I was able to to catch sight of a much better life, one where I wasn't giving anything up, only gaining um that's you know that's when everything changed and you know i've since realized that you know the savvy people the savvy business people um you know they 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 do this already you know the the, the successful people recognize why would you hold yourself back with some toxic liquid why yeah and how did you get from that being your journey to creating this incredible community in the book yeah, so I, um, I mean, that's an interesting one, because to start with, I felt a huge sense of shame and guilt, actually, which is kind of weird, because I didn't feel guilty when I was caning the booze. Um, but when I stopped, you know, well, obviously, we have to process our emotions, don't we? Whereas before we hadn't, I think many of us go through years and years and years of actually being very emotionally immature because we're not used to dealing with any of our feelings. We just numb them out with a drink. Mm. Every time we feel anxious or fearful or jealous, okay, I'll have a drink. Uh, stressed, I'll have a drink. Um, and so when you have to actually sit with this stuff and face it, um, that's another whole area of um, having to grow up really um so i most certainly did um i had to get over that shame and look at where that was coming from i was able to stay inspired and that was brilliant and i think it was when i was about um eight months so uh, sober i realized that i couldn't carry on doing the work that i was doing talking about holistic living and nutrition and all the things I, without sharing this i just couldn't it just mm. didn't it just didn't feel authentic anymore that i just i'm gonna have to share what's happened to me and you never know it might just help one person so i very nervously did a, a 
as kind of live video on YouTube, <laughs> it my coming out video. <laughs> well, I was done. absolutely terrified. Honestly, I, really I would was. be. I really was, and I was convinced I was going to immediately be trolled by everybody. You know, um, so it's this very kind of you can see it on YouTube. It's this very raw, sort of fragile. Sort of <laughs> don't, don't, don't shout at me <laughs> um but I just shared my my kind of story and um and it felt actually felt really good just to get it out and to recognize that there will definitely be other people in the same situation um and then um what happened after that was I um I found my my sober shoes if you like I I, I found the the power and I realized that actually um being sober makes you brave and mm. it gives you a whole new energy, a whole new purpose, really. And I, I started to realize, okay, this, this is, this is important work that needs to be done. Um, there was, there were, of course, loads of people doing the Quitlet and the podcasts who were talking about how to, to give up drinking, and sharing their own story, and, and. I love them and I still do and I'm super grateful but there wasn't anyone linking it directly to holistic health and well-being mm. um, talking specifically about the mindset and the brain chemistry and where the nutrition piece fits in um, so I thought well that's my bag I do that anyway so yeah. why would I not just pull it together so I started the podcast um, two years ago just over two years ago. And really I did that because I loved listening to podcasts and I'd kind of run out. I hadn't got enough. <laughs> yeah. I thought there's a load of people I want to interview. I'm just going to do this. And then I, and, and I'm super lucky to be able to have access to a lot of great people. So I wanted to make it really diverse in the different topics. So I started the podcast two years ago and then um, July, 2019, I gave a TEDx talk called Sobriety Rocks. Who I've knew? seen it. It's great. Yeah, I, lo I love doing that. That was amazing. That was nerve-wracking too. I bet. Even I've been a public speaker for years. That's one of the scariest things I've ever done. Um, and um, and then and then I decided, okay, so I, again, I had a lot of response from people sort of saying, well, actually, you've, you've inspired me um, to do this. And what, by the way, you know, what should I eat? Or, you know, and by the way, what happens when I get to this stage? And I just thought, well, let's pull something together. And so I, I, I started the Sober Club um, in uh, September of, of that year of uh, 2019. And, you know, one of the things that I would, I know you're going to sort of ask me for some top tips or whatever. And here's one right away, which is, you know, you don't have to get it right. You do have to yeah. get it going. Yeah, because I, I most certainly didn't have it right. You know, I didn't, mm. it, it, it was, I kind of threw it together and just, oh, you know, let's see what happens. And I, I thought, you know, if I got... I don't know if I only get five people sign up and it's not and as we all know in business it's it's you know it's a huge amount of work behind the scenes isn't it well every bit of god I'm admin every I sometimes think the only people making money are the people running the you know your zooms and you're selling and selling the shovels and yeah and your, yeah and your platforms and your and your and your oh my god and the expense of, of everything and, I know, and you're exhausted and I just thought well you know what if I only get five people sign up I'm gonna have to you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just make it a beta, a beta launch mm. and then I, and then I can stop. Um, but of course it was, you know, it was more successful than that. I mean, it's not big. It, it, it isn't big at all. It's, it's small. Um, mm. and, and, and that's, and that's cool. You know, I think um, that's the beauty of it because there's a, a fantastic connectivity within yeah. the group. And I want to come back to that because, um, 
I've seen that other TED talk. I forget the guy's name. That the opposite of, uh, of addiction, addiction is connection. connection. Yeah, Johan Murray. Um, yes, thank you. And I do because I belong to the group myself. And that is the thing that if I had to say one thing about that group, it's that connection and that support. But I just want to rewind quickly to you doing that nervous YouTube video and deciding mm. to to kind of really make this part of your life and be public about it. And you said you were worried about being trolled. And obviously you you work in mainstream media worlds. Mm. Did you have any negative backlash from people? Did no. Am uncomfortable? No, I didn't have any I didn't have any I literally didn't have any negative feedback at all. I was wow. uh, amazed actually. Or if I did I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they always they always say, you know, actors shouldn't read their their uh, their reviews, reviews. right? Yeah. So maybe there was some, but I didn't see it. Um, and and actually, you know, when I think back to the fact that I was nervous, um, I was nervous. But by the same token, because it was a very personal thing, but but by the same token, this is the work that I've been teaching for years: is this theory that you are the brand, and when you share your story. Um, you know, parts of the story you want to share. Let's not yes. be ridiculous. You don't have to bring every single skeleton out of the cupboard, um, but you can prep in advance the parts you want to share. Actually, that's the gold. The gold is right there in in, in sharing that you've been there, done it, got the T-shirt. So over the years, I've worked with lots of, you know, therapists, coaches, people who want to PR their, their business, people who want to get out there. And sometimes, you know, they'll say to me, I, one of the questions I often ask people is, what question don't you want to be asked? <laughs> right. Um, because, of course, th- you know, yeah, I, I, work, I, I work with a relationship coach and, and, yeah. and, and who wants to get their message out there. And I said, what question don't you want to be asked if I were going to be interviewing you now on radio? And, 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 he, and he said, well, the fact that I've been married five times, I don't want to be asked that. And I, Excuse me. There's your gold right there. Exactly. You've been married five times and you now coach around, you know, that's the gold. Um, And people often don't see it, you know, Um, but the the beauty is in in recognizing um, your your own personal story and how you can use it to to help other people. So, yes, I was nervous, but also I knew all my own shtick. I knew that 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 I knew that what I was sharing would resonate with people. I knew that it would. And again, I've I've walked that path, certainly in the last three or four years, because, you know, in PR, I was the power behind the throne. I, I like to refer to myself as the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, cranking <laughs> the lever. It's like, yes, you get out there into the spotlight. I'll just stay here behind the curtain. And so when suddenly it was about me and I was out there, I was actually incredibly uncomfortable. And I kept thinking of Ben A. Brown and Daring Greatly. But recently I came across a terminology she had, which is a vulnerability hangover. Mm. Um, so you're not getting the other kind of hangover, but you you wake up the next day and think, oh dear, what did I say or how did I come across? Do you have that? Um, I don't know that I do anymore. I think mm. that uh, I definitely used to. That any shadow of a doubt, I used to all the time. I was um, I was so insecure about just about everything I did. Um, and I now know that drinking was was a very big part of that. Drinking kept me nervous. It kept right. me small. It kept me in a place where I wasn't absolutely confident. It kept me um, in that role of imposter syndrome for mm. years, years and years and years. Um, 
because I was always on the back foot. You're always on the back foot if you're drinking because you aren't completely authentic with who you're meant to be. Mm. Um, so when I, when I properly, you know, got my sober shoes on um, and, and started to get a bit more clarity and a bit more energy and, and I could, could literally see things more clearly, I had a sense of um, strength and power and authenticity um, it doesn't mean I don't get anything wrong, but no. if I get something wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. Um, mm. and, and, and if I put something out there and someone doesn't like it, I don't care I, because it's my truth. I'm yes. not, if I, if I was, if I was doing a presentation on, you know, I mean, I'm a presenter, I've been a presenter all my life. I'm a public speaker, but I couldn't do you a, a presentation on rocket science, even if you paid me Yeah, because I'm, it's not my thing. I can only share what I um, what I'm passionate about, and that's that's the point of you know the, the the business kind of books and the PR stuff I do is is share what you're passionate about, and that enthusiasm and passion will come across. And someone may not agree with you. Mm. That's fine, but they can't take it away from you because it's your story. So, and 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 I think that correlates as well when people stop drinking they always get terrified of, of what of the sober shamers or what yes. will people say what will they think of me mm. well it often it's that your behavior shines a light on their behavior of course of course that's and what that, i'm saying it makes yeah, them uncomfortable exactly and that's why yeah. people can then be a bit mean or whatever but yeah. ultimately if you just say how you feel um usually very quickly turns around when people just say you know what uh, i'm not drinking at it I feel much better when I don't. I'm, I feel a lot less anxious. I'm, you know, I'm feeling good, but, you know, knock, knock yourself out. More for you. Um, uh, I'll have an alcohol-free beer or whatever. <laughs> Usually people are good. They're good They're good with it because no one can take away from you how you feel about you. Exactly. It's only when we don't know how we feel about ourselves, which I, ha I had that for years. I had no idea whether I was not confident, not confident, good enough, not good enough. So what I'm hearing, and tell me if that's right, is... For you, and going back to the monkey brain and the mind chatter and that, that kind of voice in your head, the sobriety gave you a kind of almost a spiritual dimension or it gave you access to a feeling, a surety. Uh, it wasn't just switching that three o'clock voice off, but it was something way beyond that that you probably had never even anticipated. Is that right? Yeah, 100% right. Absolutely 100% right. I, I uh, had years and years and years where I was steeped in the world of uh, health and well-being, you know, spirituality. Um, but if you'd if anyone had ever pointed a finger back at me, you know, while I was interviewing the greats, um, you know, so I, I did a, uh, lots of series for Hay House Radio. I've interviewed ev everyone. Um, uh, but if any of them had ever pointed a finger back at me while I was asking the questions about meditation and mindfulness Ooh. and spirituality, I, I would have had to have admitted that I didn't think it meant me <laughs> yeah. it's for everyone else everyone else must not do everyone else must have a morning routine everyone else must look within everyone else must love themselves but, but not me not me ridiculous yeah. i couldn't possibly do that it that that was not who i was talking couldn't even think about it couldn't sit still for mi two minutes let alone sit in meditation have you gone mad far too much to do rush about do things you know be be busy block out any kind of thoughts that might not be that welcome um so, so yes it changed absolutely everything i need to ask you because you've handed it to me on a plate what's the question you don't want to be asked oh good one um what don't i want to be asked um 
Well, I mean, it'll probably spin it around because I don't know that the gold is there in this case. But I I wouldn't want to be asked about my uh, the level I was drinking at when my kids were young, Mm. you know. Um, But I'm quite open about that, really. I I wouldn't want to go into great detail about it, though, because I hate that. I, I, I just hate the fact that I missed really so many of those years I mean I wasn't completely blotto of course but yeah but I could have been so much more present that's really my only regret that's my big regret Mm. that I um that I wasn't present fully present when the kids were were, were young and if anyone you know is watching this who's who's a parent this will be the if you ditch the booze literally the best gift you will ever give to yourself but the best gift you can ever give to kids it's not just about the role model piece it's about the um being there the the presence yeah the presence Mm. um yeah I mean I I know when I look back you know my 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 mother wasn't available to me you know she was there but she wasn't available to me that's a whole host of other reasons of course not. She, she had mental illness so so she wasn't available to me um, and I know the impact of that, you know, right into into old age. I really know the impact of that. Um, but I had a choice, and um, and and alcohol is kind of cruel in that way that it, it keeps it taking takes takes parents away. Take, mm. You know that the, the whole mummy wine culture. Oh my God, it's insidious. And 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 well, with lockdowns, it's and uh, how do you worse. how do you think we're going to break it? I mean, really, because, you know, I see it. I see it on Facebook every Friday. Tonight, there'll be somebody holding up a really big glass of something mm. to the picture going. Thank God the homeschooling Boy, do I deserve this, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. how, how are we going to break that pattern? Or? Well, you know, um, people have to be ready, don't they? Um, if, if someone had tried to preach at me all yeah. those years ago, I wouldn't have liked it. No. Um, uh, at all so that's why you know my approach is completely non-judgmental I, I i try not to go in with the uh the pain point all the time i mean we could we could talk about how bad alcohol is for you and how it's linked to 200 illnesses and god knows how many um different types of cancer and and how you know it makes you fearful and fear lowers immunity and on and on and on so we could do the pain point but far more powerful for me is just to keep drip feeding these messages that um life is so much better without it and when you if someone can just catch sight of that then that's what makes all the difference nobody uh, well i think i opened the book by saying you know if only someone had told me how freaking fantastic life is without the booze no one ever told me that even when i asked about it even when i went to a doctor even when i saw therapist healers i mean no offense to these people. They they no. meant well. They absolutely meant well. And none of us can share something we don't know and don't mm. understand. But exactly. when I look back, there must have been 20, at least 20, because I because of the work I do, I get to see a lot of um, you know, healers and therapists. So I saw goodness knows how many practitioners, healers, therapists, doctors occasionally, um, wise people, wise people, spiritual people. Okay. Lots of spiritual people, by the way. Um, and and I would really towards the end of my drinking days, quite often uh, raise the topic if I felt safe because it felt important. And I would just sort of say, actually, you know, I'm I'm worried about the, you know I've got a voice in my head, yeah, um, telling telling me to keep drinking. I'm worried. I'm you know, I'm just I'm drinking too much. Not one person ever said to me, 
man, I've got the answer for you. <laughs> you yeah, are going to yeah. love this. Let yeah. me help you. You're going to love it. It's fantastic. Everyone just said, a few drinks of wine. It sounds kind of normal. Just have mm. a glass of water in between. Yeah, balance it out. Or don't or stop you know? at nine o'clock. That's exactly. what somebody yeah. once told me. And, and that kept me stuck. Stuck for years. Mm. Um, the good news is that the tide is turning and there are more and more people now talking about this, spreading these little bits of light. Um, you know, there will be people I know who are who are in that the sort of um, well-being community who, just like me, won't have thought of the alcohol piece. But yeah. that's where my book might come in. They yeah. might pick up my book because there's a whole thing on there about having a cacao ceremony or because there's a whole piece about uh, written by Gemma Newman, the plant power doctor, or because there's a piece on meditation or breathing techniques. They might pick it up for another reason. So what but were then- you hoping to achieve with the book? I mean, you talked about the tone, almost this euphoria this celebration this positive secret is that really what comes through on every page I think it does actually I hope it does I mean yes tell me um the first section of the book is is uh, a little bit about my story and then the how-to so I do include the how-to so if you're at day one or sober curious it's there how to get the buzz without the booze how to make that uh, those early weeks easier for yourself I didn't I got it all completely wrong forgot everything I knew right yes. hilarious but I now know there are things you can do you can eat well you can get connected you can get your sober toolkit and I go through all of that in the first part of the book so the how-to is there, and then and and the reasons why, obviously. Um, and then the second section of the book is just masses of incredible lifestyle stuff that you won't use all at once. No one will, but that you know all these amazing ways you can upscale once you stop drinking because people do. You know, you've seen it in the sober club community. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, it's incredible. It's lovely. You know, I, I meet people on day one, you know, even if it's only on Zoom, and they're like, they're all sort of fragile, <laughs> little lambs, <laughs> little newborn. They're like, oh, hello, and they're and like, well, I don't want to stop drinking. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stop for a bit, and then I'll go back to moderating. And 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 every and everything about them is sort of shaky and and just they're terrified of everything. And and that we keep them going and we inspire them and they just they get they catch sight of the next piece and then when things get hard someone ahead of them says actually do you know oh, what yeah. that happened to me mm. that happened to me I couldn't sleep either I do this up. do that push through push through you've got better to come you've got better to come. and it's that encouragement and support and then there they are a couple of months later literally like a different person in some cases whole new career has been started or they've launched a new project the amount of people who've started writing they've found creativity within them they've completely changed their diet i mean just so many changes it's incredible because you you get your mojo back so that's really what i want for the book i want people to kind of go wow well i wonder if my life could be better physically and emotionally without the booze and if if i've already stopped you know what what else can i do now and where can they get the book, Janie? Um, yeah, all, hold yeah. it, hold it all, up again. All the usual places. I mean, <laughs> of course, if we, if we, if it were normal life, real life, I could tell you bookshops and events. Um, but yeah, all the usual places. Or if you want a signed copy, then if you go to the soberclub.com, um, we can sort that out for you as well. And there's lots of other resources there, aren't there, for say the sober curious people who definitely, maybe just... yeah, 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 lots of stuff. There's lots of blog posts. There's, uh, there's a. I think if you sign, I've 
I've got a, a separate little website, which you'll find from the Sober Club, but that's happyhealthysober.com. And there's some free resources on there. There's a free meditation um, and there's there's various bits and bobs. And I've always got lots of great competitions. So, you know, we haven't even touched on alcohol-free drinks, but my my mantra is Ooh. keep the ritual, change the ingredients. Kombucha. Okay. I'm, I'm yeah. such and a fan of kombucha. Exactly. And, and this is important because if I'd have been trying to do this 10 years ago, it would have been much harder mm. because while everyone else sat around having their lovely drink in their lovely glass i'd have had a cup of tea or a coke or an orange juice which i don't like um but now the whole world has changed and as we all know big brands jostle alongside the artisan brands and the choice is huge so keep the ritual change the ingredients if you always have a drink with your family or your partner or your friends at six o'clock no problem have a drink have a lovely glass and have something alcohol free in it so the book has um yeah, a whole bunch of recipes and stuff. And on the Sober Club, we've got lots of competitions to uh, try and win alcohol. Free. Brilliant. So what's next for you? Um, what's next? Well, um, uh, I would like to get this message out to many more people. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to do more TV or radio or somehow make the podcast able to reach more people it's just me you know i don't even have a i don't have a publisher i don't have any budget um so so yeah i would i would like to reach more people with this really positive message um and uh i don't know quite how that would happen but um yeah that's that's my that's my goal obviously i want the sober club to um to to you know be um the beautiful thing it is. Um, I want it to grow a bit, not too much. Um, so that's that's really so important. So it's like a family still. It's, it's a family, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and of course, I do one-to-one coaching. So um, I, I, lo- I love doing that. I absolutely love seeing the transformation in people. I know that. I know you do too. I know you do oh, that. And, yeah, and it course. is so it's unbelievable, isn't it? What it's so gets us going every day. So, so you're yeah. a brilliant interviewer. What question would you have asked you that I haven't asked you? Uh, what question would I have asked me? Um, I suppose, um, well, it's that kind of classic thing, isn't it? It's what would you, um, what would you have liked to tell your younger self? It's that Mm -hmm. question, isn't it? I think it's quite often the relevant question. Um, and, and I suppose the answer would be, I, um, I mean, it goes without saying I would have liked to tell my younger self how freaking fantastic life is that booze but aside from that I I would have liked to have said um to my younger self um feel the fear and do it anyway you know that, mm. that classic book um Erica John <laughs> accept that no no Susan Jeffers oh Susan Jeffers yes Susan sorry Jeffers. who's Erica yeah, John what did that's she the write? other book isn't it that's the other yeah. feminist one um, um, but yeah Susan Jeffers and 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 Susan Jeffers other amazing phrase actually um which I loved from her one of her books was um never try and teach a pig to sing it will waste your time and it annoys the pig <laughs> and I love that because when I look back, how much time did I spend trying to change people or trying to do things, fit myself into a mold that I didn't fit into to be something I wasn't? That's um, brilliant. Say that know, again. Say that again. Never try to teach a pig to sing. 
it will waste your time and it annoys the pig. <laughs> I love that. Isn't it? When, I, when I was in PR, we had a different pig saying, which was, if you wrestle with a pig in, we'll call it muck, <laughs> you both end up smelling of muck, but the difference is the pig likes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love it. So I love it. So from monkeys to pigs, we've covered yeah. incredible ground. I could talk to you all day and you will definitely be a return guest because Good, I'm so. so excited to see what's next for you. It's been imperfectly perfect and wonderful for me. You've affected my life. You you make me raise my bar on not just interviewing, but really being a human being and a therapist. So I really do appreciate that. And oh, I, want you, I want you to know that. So um, that comes from the heart. So thank you so much. Thank you joining me today on monkey business and i look forward to catching up with you again soon and to reading your book actually. definitely yeah i hope you yes, enjoy it i will i'm sure thank you janie thank, thank you. you take care you've been listening to monkey business podcast with rosalind palmer and my guest today has been janie lee grace whose trailblazing first holistic health book imperfectly natural woman knocked the da vinci code off of the bestseller list and who has now published her new book happy healthy sober ditch the booze and take control of your life janie is a broadcaster on the british broadcasting corporation bbc radio 2 and uk health radio and host of the podcast Alcohol Free Life. She now has four books on holistic living and she's an advocate about how the holistic lifestyle can fit in with normal life and not be super expensive, difficult or all about show. From an early career in pop music in the 80s to being this major UK radio broadcaster and founder of The Sober Club, Janie has given us amazing insights into what a life free from alcohol looks and feels like, how holistic living can be integrated, and how you can gain balance by ditching the booze. Thanks very much for listening to Monkey Business. Tune in next week.